Summer is a time uh, when people like to take trips. Whether it's uh, trips to some new place, some far travel, maybe even going overseas, to maybe just a short road trip. Maybe it's going to places you haven't been to before, or maybe it's going to those familiar places that you really like to visit, like, you know, amusement parks, or going to see family or friends, whatever it might be. Big trips or little trips. During the summer, people travel, and they usually are looking forward to it as well. Well, we do a lot of traveling, but I don't mean just those trips we take to different places. I mean the travel experiences we do throughout life. This summer, as we're studying the Psalms, there is a set of Psalms that tell us specifically that it's time for travel and remind us of some key things that we ought to do and and keep in mind as we're traveling through different experiences of life. Now, as we've been studying the Psalms, I've noted for you how they are either prayers or, or songs of adoration, that is praise, or, or lament, expressing sorrow or something, uh, all set to music. Now, the Psalms uh, deal with a variety of different life experiences. In fact, there's a set of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And uh, they're all labeled that way. So before you even read one of the verses, it'll say, a song of ascent. Now, what does that mean? What was that about? Well, there's a set of 15 psalms that were put together, written by various authors, and they all have that title, a song of ascent. The Hebrew word that we translate ascent literally means to go up. And so it was a set of psalms that were used by the travelers, by the pilgrims, by the worshipers as they were going up to Jerusalem, because it or, or they would experience having to travel up roads to get to the city. In fact, even to go up to the temple itself, they had to climb up uh, Mount Zion where the temple was located. And so while they're traveling those roads going up, they would sing or pray these psalms of ascent. It was even thought that as they reached the steps of the temple, before they went up each of the steps, they would say one of those psalms. It was also thought that the Jews who were in captivity in Babylon when they were released and headed back to Jerusalem were using these psalms as it was preparing them to reach that final destination of of going home. Well, this morning I'm going to share with you different sections from those psalms of ascent, or we might call them travel psalms, and they're all talking about the different steps that we should take on our journey through life. Now, just like we take a trip somewhere, there are different stages or phases of it, so there are three different stages that these psalms talk about, too, and the first one is preparation, getting prepared for your journey. Let's take a look at at the couple of steps that I believe these psalms were giving us encouragement to take regarding preparation. The first step was that of praise. Now that maybe sounds like a strange way to start out your journey, praising, but listen to what they're talking about. Here's an example from one of the psalms of ascent. 
When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev was the word for the desert. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. The first reason the psalmist reminds us to begin our journey with praise is because of the Lord's provision. Have you ever dreamed of having a better life? Have you ever thought, oh, if only this or that were different, life would be better? Well, that's what that psalm was talking about. Those were the Jews who were coming out of their 70 years of captivity saying, we are the ones who were dreaming, and now we've got these songs of joy on our lips because it's coming true. You see, what they were doing was just looking around and seeing how God had provided for them. He pictured it as like a harvest. They had gone out with seeds, and now the seeds were planted and growing, and now they had a harvest of blessings. How has God blessed you? Have you gone through a period that was kind of rough, like the Jews' 70 years of captivity? Have you gone through a, a barren desert land, but then to experience the streams of water, to see how God restored blessings to you? Now, if you haven't experienced that, let me just encourage you to look at the everyday blessings that God puts on you. Every day we get these blessings that are so regular and so faithful, just like the dew on the grass in the morning. He's reminding us to see how God has provided for us. And we can praise God for that because this is exactly what he promised would happen. This is exactly what he said he would do. He promised the Jews that though they would end up in captivity, he would restore them, and he did. He promises to you and me that though we have needs day after day, he will provide for their needs, and he does. The promises of God are what sustain us during those barren desert travels, because the promises are true, because God is faithful. This week, in, in speaking with one of our members about things going on in his life, he wrote some words to me, and I asked him, I said, would it be okay if I shared those with, with the congregation because they were so encouraging? Now, I'm not going to tell you who he is or what he was going through, but he said, absolutely, Pastor. I want to share his words with you because they speak, they reflect of this idea of praise even going through a desert time. He wrote, Pastor, sometimes we get caught up in all of the challenges that we face in life that we forget to see the blessings and the things the Lord is trying to teach us by the journey we are on. I know our lives will be better after this challenge is finished. Yeah, 
That's the step of praise to take, even when you're at the beginning of what might be a long desert journey. A second step that we need to take in preparation is what I call repentance. When I read through those psalms of ascent, those traveling psalms, there's that tone there of repentance. You know, before we take a trip, we're going to see that we are prepared. Not only that we have packed our suitcases with all of our provisions, but we're also going to check to see that whatever mode of travel we're using, it's safe. <laughs> now we're going to rely on the airplane people to make sure the airplane is safe. But when it comes to our car, we're going to make sure that we've got it checked out. Tires are good, the oil's been changed, everything is running right. And if something isn't, we know we got to get it fixed. And that's true with our life, too. When we look at it and we see that sometimes things aren't running right, it's because something needs to be fixed. And sometimes that something is us. Where we have not done what God has wanted us to do. When we have done things we weren't supposed to do. And it's broken that relationship with God for which we don't deserve any blessings. Listen to how this psalmist expresses it in his travel psalm. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Do you hear what he's saying? Lord, I know that there's something broken that needs to be fixed. And if you kept a record of all the things that were broken, who could possibly stand before you? Whether it's our thoughts, the desires we have, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, the criticisms we make, the words we speak that are unkind, the things we do that are wrong, whatever it is, it's all broken, that relationship with God. And we should not be able to stand before him. And then the psalmist comes along with a little word. In the Hebrew, it's one little letter. But it's a big word. But, verse 4, but with you, there is forgiveness. That's why Jesus came. That's why God gave up his son, who came into this world to die for us, to die in our place, to die, the, to suffer the penalty that we deserved for all of our sins, and to repair that relationship by living a perfect life so that God would take that righteousness and give it to us by faith in Jesus. God has repaired that relationship. So just like we want to start our journeys off right, with everything in good shape, so we need to start off our life experiences, whatever they are, right, with repentance. Knowing that it's right because God has made it right. That simply means to admit our faults and to accept the forgiveness that he fully and freely gives us in Jesus. And there's a purpose behind it. He said, so that we can serve the Lord in reverence. 
You see, our relationship with the Lord is just that. He is the Lord and we are the servant. And though we have messed up that relationship, he has repaired it. He has restored it. Now we can serve him again. With reverence, he said. That means with respect, with awe, with excitement, with joy, with faithfulness and dedication. Because we have been restored. Now, prepared for the journey, we can go on. Now the Psalms speak of steps that we can take as we progress along the experience. Whatever the experience is, something with your health or finances or job or traveling, relationships, whatever the experience is, here are the steps we should take all on that journey. Here's another one. I lift up my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. With those words, he's reminding us to take the important step of prayer. Prayer is simply our way of expressing reliance on God. When we do any traveling, we are very reliant on other people, aren't we? I mean, we'll fill up the gas tank, but we're reliant that there's going to be some more gas stations along the way, and there'll be a place to stop and rest and stretch and get some food. We're relying on people having put up signs that give us the right direction. If we go by plane, we're relying on those pilots and that flight crew We're relying on all the mechanics who took care of getting that plane ready. We're relying on all those air traffic controllers. We rely on a lot of people when we travel. When we travel in life through all these different experiences, we rely on the Lord. And that's that's what prayer is. It's simply our expression of reliance on the Lord who knows the way, who knows where we're going, who knows where we're going to end up and what the outcome will be. So he's simply inviting us to know what he knows. Now men sometimes have the reputation of not asking for directions. But not with life. We should ask God for directions because we need to be reliant on him. Prayer, then, is also an expression simply of our confidence that we can trust the Lord. Remember the little parable Jesus taught about prayer? He said, if who has a father who would give his son a stone when the kid asked for bread? Who is a father who would give his son a snake when he asked him for a fish? He said, if you who are sinful know how to give the good and right things to your kids... How much more doesn't your heavenly Father give you what you need that's good and right and at the right time? With that, he was simply telling us, come to him in full confidence. Get rid of the worries, get rid of the doubts, and simply replace it with trust. That spirit of trust is further expressed in these words of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker 
of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. In other words, he's not going to miss a thing. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He'll watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. He's encouraging us that as we go along in this progression, this journey, to do so in faith. Faith that God will guide you and faith that God will guard you. This uh, lesson was driven home to me this week. You know, there's been a lot of changes going on here at church. And so a lot of our attention and work has been to make sure that we're going in the right direction. Sort of steering, you know. Well, uh, about two weeks ago, uh, one of my vans uh, lost power. The alternator went out. And when the tow truck came to pick it up, and he's putting it on, onto his flatbed, uh, he really cranked the steering wheel. And I wasn't there, but my wife told me they heard this, like this pop. And all of a sudden, there was no control over the wheels anymore, and the steering wheel just spun freely. So um, he took it to the repair station down the street, and uh, he went underneath, and he put something back together, and he says, there, I put it back together, you can control the wheels, but you better have the mechanic look at it. Well, supposedly the mechanic looked at it, and he said everything was okay. And for the last, for the next week and a half, I was driving it. It was all okay. Except the airbag light came on. So I'm back to the mechanic. I said, hey, the airbag light is on. Something's wrong. And he goes, well, you know what happened? When that wheel was spinning like that, it popped the clock spring for the airbag. Okay. And he said, so it's not my fault. Talk to the tow truck guy. So we talked to the tow truck guy, and he says, yeah, we probably broke your clock spring. He says, but I'm more concerned about what happened when there was no control over the steering wheel. He said, something is wrong, and I'm afraid. You shouldn't drive it. I'm going to come and pick it up for you for free and look at it. And I said, well, I've been driving it like for a week and a half now, and it's okay. But, you know, I'm going to bring it in. And he says, no, no, please don't drive it. I said, look, I'm just a few miles from you. It's okay. I've been driving it for a week and a half. So I'll bring it to you. I get a half a mile out of the parking lot where I was, and I lost control of the steering. Going through an intersection and making a left turn, it just completely was spinning. All I could do, was, of course, was put on the brakes as I slid into the curb and almost hit a stoplight. <laughs> and where I ended up, there was a guy out on his driveway washing his boat. So I went up to him and said, hey, I almost hit your car in the driveway and explained and well, there was nothing we could do, but he said, well, I happen to have some orange traffic cones here. He says, let me put them out there in the road so that nobody hits you as they're coming around the turn. Oh, okay. So I called the tow truck, and he comes and picks me up. And sure enough, something, I don't know, a universal joint or something, underneath the car broke, and I had no control. And the mechanic said, you know what? You could have died. Now, that was a lesson to me of a number of things. One, God guides me. He put me in a situation where, yeah, it was really dangerous, but it could have been a lot worse. I could have been on the freeway driving and lost control. That would have been it. 
But he was there to guide me in the right spot at the right time, and then to protect me, to guard me. But I took another lesson from that, too. You know, with all the stuff going on here at church and all the, the things that we're trying to do, and I didn't have control. And I think God was saying, Greg, you're not in control here. I am. You're sitting in the seat. That's where I want you. But I'm steering this ship. And that's what he does with our life. He steers us no matter what the experience is. So go with faith. And then with the psalmist, say these words. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. And he wasn't just talking about that mount. He was talking about the Mount Zion that's referred to as the people of God. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, or as we could say, as the mountains surround Silicon Valley, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. Go forward with faith. And then look forward with hope, knowing where the Lord is leading you. Listen to what another psalm of ascent says. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. You, tell, you see where he's telling us to put our hope? to get our assurance from what he says. Now, sometimes it's hard to wait. Have you ever had your flight canceled? It'll be just a few more minutes, and about a half hour later, it'll be soon. <laughs> and you're like, you have no hope, right? What are they doing? Well, if your flight was ever delayed because of a mechanical problem, aren't you glad that they know about it and they're taking care of it and not just letting you get on the plane and going? You trust their word, even if you have to wait. And that's what the Lord is, is reminding us to do. Get assurance from his word. You know why? Because his word is firm, it says. It doesn't change. It's forever, it's faithful, it's true, and will only bless. It's going to be the thing that calms us, that comforts us, that gives us confidence. Get assurance from his word and look forward with hope in an eager expectation, anticipation that he's going to be working his stuff. That's what the psalmist was saying. I am waiting with more eager anticipation than the guys who are on the wall waiting for the day to come, waiting for that night of fear to be and uncertainty to be over. We have something to look forward to, a new day, in Jesus, who is the bright morning star. Every step of our journey, take it with anticipation that the Lord is going to work his blessing in your life. Just watch. Be a watchman and look what the Lord is going to do. Finally, our journey is going to come to completion. Now, I don't mean necessarily the end of life, but I mean the end of whatever that experience, whatever that travel is that you're taking. There's a step we are encouraged to take at the end also. 
When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, in other words, when the journey was done, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongue with songs of joy, and then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. He's reminding us to take the step of giving thanks to God. Thanks by proclaiming him. You know, if you take a trip and you come back, oh, you're eager to tell people what it was like, right? But just like I shared with you what my experience was when the driving went out on that van, so we should be ready to proclaim what the Lord has done in our life so that others know his goodness. And that's what this psalm reminds us of. Praise the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. He's reminding us then that that step of thanks is also to praise God. That this isn't about us. It's about the Lord and his goodness and working. So, as we travel... Take these steps, preparing with praise and repentance, progressing with prayer and faith and hope, and finishing with thanks. Now, have you ever seen this little warning sign? Watch your step. It's given because people are just doing what they routinely would do, but they need to be aware of something that could happen if they're not careful. One of our elders uh, shared with us a little story the other day in his devotion for our meeting. And, and I shared also to point out just how blessed we are with the people who are leading our congregation in school. Such spiritual people with their trust in God. Anyway, he shared this story about a lady by the name of Charlotte Fox who died exactly one month ago today. Now, if you don't know Charlotte Fox... She was a famous mountain climber. Back in 1996, she, I guess, like, was the first woman to climb Mount Everest. Now, what happened is when they were coming down, there was a terrible storm. And everybody in her expedition, including the guide, died except for her. Now, she went on and climbed many other mountains besides Mount Everest, Mount Kilimanjaro, um, mountains in, in Peru, mountains in, in Europe and Asia and the Antarctic, the Canadian Rockies, the American Rockies. She's done just all these big mountains. But she died a month ago in a fall. Now you're first maybe thinking of a fall climbing a mountain, but it wasn't that. She died in a fall going down the stairs in her home. It wasn't because of alcohol or drugs or anybody pushing her. She simply misstepped. On stairs that she probably has been up and down a thousand times. Watch your step. Of praise and repentance of prayer and faith and hope and thanks. Don't misstep. Take those steps. Because missing one of them could be dangerous. Might even result in falling from the Lord. 
Have we and will we misstep along that path? It's likely. But there is some assurance that we'll also be okay. The psalmist, in his expedition, in his ascent, said, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And with our eyes on Jesus, we can walk confidently in faith and hope. Amen.